Hey, common scientists, any of you out there wanna be a billionaire so freaking bad? I definitely have since I was like 12. And when that song came out, I was like, oh, so excited about it. And now I'm dating myself, I'm feeling old. But billionaires is the topic this week on Common Science. Just a reminder to all of our listeners and viewers, this is the Common Science cast keyword common. We are not experts. We don't pretend to be. We are common scientists. We do some research, come to the table, and practice having candid conversations using the scientific method. So hopefully you'll learn a little something today about billionaires. Maybe you'll learn something about us who are not billionaires. Uh, Maybe one day, maybe not. (laughs) But I think we'll start off with just a couple facts about billionaires um, and some background. And I'm going to actually kick it to Dre for a little bit of context around billionaires sure so just to write off a few fun facts about them there are 2755 billionaires worldwide china has the most with 1058 just in beijing alone there's 145 the united states comes in second with 696 billionaires the top 10 richest people in the world i believe they're all men top 10 richest people in the world um, own about 1.2 trillion, I believe, in um, U.S. dollars, assets and all that stuff. Um, the richest is often je- um, quoted as being Jeff Bezos, around 190. Sometimes it's Elon Musk. If you don't know Jeff Bezos, owner, creator, um, all that good stuff of Amazon, Elon Musk, uh, has SpaceX, Tesla. I think he, got, he originally got his um, fortune from PayPal way back in the day. Uh, and then there's also a French guy. Shoot, what was his name? His last name was like Arnold or something, or like Bernot or something mm. like that. Uh, some I've seen some statistics where he was considered the richest person with like 198 or something, and he I believe owns Louis Vuitton and Sephora and mm. like hundred other things just like that. All these like high end kind of fancy fashion type of deals. 88 percent are of billionaires are men. 90% are over 50 years old, which obviously makes a lot of time or a lot of sense, takes a lot of time to build wealth for most people, but not for Kevin David Lehman, who was once and maybe still is uh, the youngest billionaire in the world. He became a billionaire at age 18 with a net worth of $3.3 billion because he inherited the company, 50% of this company called uh, Drogery Markt. I think it's German, so probably not how you pronounce it, but like a drug type of pharmacy market type of business that his father uh, owned 50% of. And neither him or his father have ever been very involved with the company, but they own half of it. So he had a really yeah. good inheritance at the age of 18. And uh, now he's 19 years old. I believe maybe either 19 or 20. And he's worth about $3.3 billion. So that's quite the birthday present. Wow. <laughs> wow. I can't imagine. Definitely. There are 15 billionaires who, who um, are worth over $50 billion. And then there's a stat, which is a little controversial, but it is a, a stat that kind of is has been sensationalized and does have quite a bit of merit to it where the top eight richest people in the world have as much wealth as the bottom 50 percent so it's like eight people in the world have the same amount of wealth as about 3.6 billion people wow. and that's kind of a stunner that's a stunner for sure that's got to be what like of our population or zero 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 tiny. Uh, Yeah, I think a lot of zeros. Yeah, a lot of zeros. Wow. Enough to have on a comfortable Zoom call. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Wow, I can't imagine. And the funny thing to me is I it's hard to contextualize like how much a billion is. I still struggle with it. So in preparation for this cast, I looked up just an image that's helpful to me. And I don't know if either of you guys looked up like how many islands or Ferraris you could buy for a billion dollars. That might be something to check out. Maybe you guys common scientists out there can can check on that. But everyone can picture like a hundred dollar bill. If you've never had one, that's okay. Uh, I don't know that I've ever really had a $100 bill just <laughs> around. I remember maybe the first time my dad pulled one out. Anyways, you can picture it, right? A hundred dollar bill. And then if you had 
uh, $10,000. You can picture that too, it'd be like a stack. You maybe never seen that, I've definitely never seen that in my lifetime, but now we're looking at a stack. Then you could have one million. The stack, maybe the width of a textbook, yeah, you'd say? Yeah, probably. Then one million dollars uh, would be like a couple of stacks. Uh, maybe you're looking at like three textbooks stacked up, so much smaller than you are. Then if you go up to one hundred million dollars, we're talking about those huge pallets for all those Costco shoppers out there. You you go to Costco and there's these big pallets and it's like full of I don't know insert whatever you buy at Costco paper towels, toilet paper. Uh, if you're not a Costco shopper, you've probably seen a pallet at, I don't know, Fleet Farm, something like that, right? So it's this big square wooden thing. Um, and it's almost as tall as a person, maybe like as tall as a 12 year old child. So that, it, that whole pallet filled up with stacks of $100 bills would be $100 million. And then $1 billion would be 10 of those pallets. So $1 billion would be like way more than anyone could fit in a briefcase, which is just crazy to think of. I mean, it's, it's not easy for the human brain to conceptualize. And then if you decide to go even further to trillions, you're talking about like almost a whole football field full of these pallets stacked too high. So the amount of wealth we're talking about here is just immense and is something most Americans won't ever, most people in the world, I guess, won't ever experience. So crazy hard to, to contextualize, crazy hard to understand um, what that looks like, what that would be like. And I don't even think I know how I could spend a million dollars. Like, I, I think I'd run out of ideas. <laughs> I donate a lot, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. When did you guys first hear about billionaires? What or when? When. Oh, when? And maybe what? Mm. I think probably when that song came out. And I don't know that I, I knew like what a billionaire, that Bruno Mars song, what a billionaire, who a billionaire was at the time. But the song came out and like, yeah, I must have been, I don't know, 12 or 13 at the time, maybe younger, when my friends and I would like jam to it in the car or whatever. And that's probably my first memory of this pedestaled image of, of what a billionaire would look like. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't recall like some big moment or anything like that or, or like even like a time period but i guess like the first time period what i really remember would be saying with you lauren would be that song i want to be a billionaire because it a lot of times you grew up thinking about being a millionaire and it, it which is pretty feasible really for anybody in the modern western world at least that's kind of a goal for a lot of people and that seems feasible because it's like okay I know a lot of people who are like office managers or do this or that and make like $50,000 or a teacher makes $45,000 right. or this. And you're like, okay, so I can like wrap my head around making $100,000 and being like a salesman or this or that. And then if you just kind of go, go, you can get to a million pretty easily from a hundred K a year or something like that. But then when you get to a billion and you start getting into these magnitudes, like a thousand millions, it's like, that's where it gets a little bit wacky. I don't, I can't remember at a young age, really fathoming that or thinking too much about that until that song came out and being like, oh yeah, that would be really cool to be a billionaire. And then some of my friends who had, uh, who were really financially ambitious would talk about maybe one day being a billionaire and getting into like these packs and all this and blah, blah, blah and all these groups, investment groups and all that. And it, when I was still pretty young, like a teenager, it seemed like, huh, like I, like I, it's not that I really desired it, but there was kind of like a, I wonder if, but now that my conception of a billionaire and how inconceivable it is, it's like, I don't even know that I would ever even aspire to it because it just seems so impossible. It's just yeah. such a large amount of anything, but definitely money, salary, income, assets, et cetera. Yeah. And then in sixth grade, my uh, teacher decided that we were going to do a fundraiser and we were going to raise 
funds and get a million pennies in the classroom. And that was obviously a million instead of a billion. And understanding the magnitude jump between those two is already really hard. But I just was so surprised to see these huge, huge barrels that probably like three of us sixth graders could have fit in filled with pennies. And I don't know that we ever made it to to one million pennies, but we had just several huge barrels in the back of the classroom. And I remember thinking, wow, like we're not even halfway to a million and this is what half a million pennies looks like. So that was the other time that I remember being really conscientious of, number one, my inability to understand like that magnitude mm-hmm. of a number. And then number two, like how much space a million of anything could take up or a much less a billion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What um, about you? When did I first become aware of it? Uh, there's not a particular moment that sticks out in my mind. I think what you guys were alluding to the Bruno Mars song for sure. Uh, definitely. Uh, I I remember it now that you guys are bringing it up. I think post-college when I was in a little student debt and and trying to figure out my financial situation and starting to do more financial reading, I started to think about what, Dre, you were talking about, about, oh, maybe becoming a millionaire someday, which, like you said, is relatively reasonable in the the Western world. Uh, But... Yeah, like a billionaire. I mean, Lauren, you can say have said it well enough as far as just the impossibility to conceptualize it on the one hand, and then Dre, the impossibility to, uh, or the seemingly impossible task of attaining that or aspiring to that one day. How do you suppose, I mean, I'm just curious not to throw any of your friends under the bus, but the investment groups and 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 the like how have they panned out any of your friends become billionaires uh no i i, I doubt that any of them will i'm not gonna say they cannot i won't hate <laughs> on them that hard i doubt that they will but a lot of them are doing really really well definitely um millionaires and millionaires in the making for sure oh, nice. um at young ages so yeah. you know shot for the stars maybe land on the moon right right <laughs> yeah that's super super fair uh Man, how how does somebody become a billionaire? I mean, it seems so inconceivable, but people do it, I guess. I mean, you said there were thousand, a couple thousand of them across the globe. Uh, in your guys' research, how, what are some of the themes that emerged? I think one of the biggest themes that I saw was being born into a quite affluent situation whether it was, I mean, many of those people then had to make, continue making smart decisions to build on um, the position that they were born into, but it seemed to be a major theme that they came from old money or new money, uh, and then struck, struck some luck a couple of times, depending on who you're talking about, but that was probably one of the biggest themes that I saw. And then maybe not so much billionaires, but millionaires, because in the context of like this research, you have to go through one phase to get to the other. I think people who invested early and often in assets that we're going to continue to appreciate are the people who also I saw uh, had more like exponential wealth trajectory, if you will. So at my little brother Bjorn, who is uh 13 years old and has invested five hundred dollars as a 13 year old like my fingers are crossed for him he could maybe he could maybe make make it there i don't know he's been working super hard a ton of hours and just decided at the age of 13 to invest it and that's i mean super cool Mm -hmm. yeah there are a lot of i don't i didn't really look into this for this cast so i can't say any specifics but there are a lot of really matter of fact, simple algorithmic ways to like become a millionaire and to invest your money early, like Bjorn has done and have like not as nothing surefire, but in general, right? Like pretty low risk investments, surefire ways to get yourself into as if he's starting that young, even into his forties or fifties, have himself really set up um, and not even have to wait until you're like 60 or 70 right. to take your money out of this 401k or anything like that. So that's really, really impressive. Uh, I know Warren Buffett, 
he he had his first investment when he was 11 mm-hmm. and that's like his like like you said early and often that's like his whole thing is like hey like as, to put it in the terms that like my circle would say like scared money don't make money you have to put your money up if you really want to play the game and you really want to help make your money work for you because if you just keep trading your time for dollars you're pretty much gonna die broke right because you're either gonna have money and no time or time and no money, right? So, I mean, exactly, kudos to your little bro, that's huge. Definitely gotta, instead of investing your money into all of these things like video games and drinking and this and that, those are all great things in moderation, but at the end of the day, new clothes, a lot of that stuff, there's no ROI. Mm-hmm. So why yeah. not just take those couple hundred bucks, that 50 bucks, that five bucks, whatever you have, Take that one dollar invested in Facebook, even if it's only ten cents in one year, your money's gonna have made money. Mm-hmm. So just get that into your head and invest early and often. I recently had a conversation with sorry, maybe cut you no, off. Recently had a conversation with a um, family member of mine who runs a big company that raises money for people, and also an an aspect of their money does sales of of land and primarily farming land so they sell agricultural land and uh he sold a farm for two million dollars about two million 1.9 million i think yeah about 1.9 and i was amazed i was like wow a 1.9 million dollar parcel of land like was sold and bought in cash by someone like how does that happen how does anyone just in Minnesota have 1.9 million laying around. And uh, my family member had had an opportunity to chat with this gentleman and he had been extremely successful in his management of his own farming business. And all he said was, at every opportunity that I had, yeah, instead of investing in the new truck or the new whatever that I saw a lot of other farmers driving around, I bought land, which continued to like, continued to gain value over time. I did not ever uh, spend my money in something that would lose value. And I mean, the minute you drive a new pickup off the lot, it's losing value. So I thought that was profound to remind myself even today. Yeah, like, do I need this new pair of shoes? Like, really need it? Or could I put $50 into my investment account? Because $50 in my investment account over X amount of years is probably way more valuable than, yeah, whatever thing I'm looking at. So... Uh, good, good lesson. Maybe won't get you to billions, but maybe to millions. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you guys are saying it right. The one thing I will maybe correct you guys on is so an idea I've come across that I appreciate and I think holds a lot of truth is to be more particular with our language. So investing is when you put your money towards assets that'll appreciate real estate art gold uh i mean stocks bonds etc and spending is when you buy a car or when you Mm. like buy video games or whatever else uh and just being particular in your language in that way i think also helps with kind of the mentality of yeah okay when i'm investing i am really investing into something that will help me in the future uh but beyond that too i think getting getting educated getting excited about it first of all like listening to this podcast is the first step and then uh, i can link a few books that i think have added value to my life uh one is i will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi, and he talks about getting to a point where you can have guilt-free spending as well. Because I think one thing that is a challenge is, Lauren, like you were talking about, the new pair of shoes versus investing. Oh, man, I'm I'm feeling guilty uh, if I do buy that new pair of shoes. But like just trying to f- build the system so you can fall to the level of your systems as opposed to, like, yeah, just feeling conflict all the time um so yeah i think that yeah you guys you you guys are just touching on a lot of truth and man yeah common scientists we don't know how to become millionaires quite yet none of us are millionaires millionaires yet dre are you a millionaire no i'm not no (laughs) none of us are millionaires we don't have all the answers but do your research and and get educated 
I'm a negative thousandaire. Because <laughs> a of my, yeah, <laughs> because yeah, for my sure. college debt. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. I, I think, though, that speaks to uh, or kind of what we were talking about with spending versus investing and why somebody might kind of because at the end of the day yeah like i'm not out here i'm not a financial advisor i'm not giving people financial advice i'm just saying like the the pretty much the simple step that pretty much every adult knows oh, but yeah. we just don't do it right. and that gets to the point of like uh, what billionaires have is discipline <laughs> like oh yeah. a lot, like a lot of people who are going to succeed like you don't always have to be the brightest bulb but at some level no matter how extravagant a lot of these wealthy people are a lot of them, if they've like doubled up their money, like if somebody, even if you got like an invest or like an inheritance of a hundred million dollars, if you flip that into billions, you had some level of discipline. You had some level yeah. of, you know, I know you got set up and all this type of stuff, but to some, to and in some light, you definitely had to have some discipline not to just spend and instead to invest, right? Oh, for so sure. I think that's a lot of like I've read a lot of books i've done a lot of things i've made money i spent money whatever a lot of different things and at the end of the day it's definitely been a lack of discipline which has set me up um when i haven't been doing well financially it's just kind of oh, like i wasn't being disciplined like i was focusing too much on playing these video games or buying this or buying that so i think if you look at to your original point about what makes a billionaire who are these billionaires etc like honestly just knowing what you have to do and then also doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah super true i think the the action uh and disciplined action uh like you just said i mean the the stories of nfl or other professional sports players who make it big and then go broke and i mean it's it's pretty common i'm sure it's pretty common amongst those who have inherited as well uh so yeah i mean i think that discipline is a is a for sure i mean a key key trait i think too about those who who made it uh i mean obviously they had advantages from their upbringings too but like elon musk and jeff bezos you have to be insanely disciplined and productive to run a company of hundreds of people uh I mean, yeah, so. Yeah, I think outside of discipline, though, in order to have discipline, I think you have to trust the system. Mm. And I think that a lot of people who were born into lower socioeconomic status don't trust the system. And so watching their money that they've, like, worked so, so hard for, and when I say they, like, I'm included in without we uh, have worked so, so hard for like watching it go to some place with the knowledge of like some flux. It is really hard. I think for a lot of people to trust the system enough to be and choose discipline easily. And one example of that, I think that I just think of is, so I, I helped set up, little investment accounts for both of my youngest siblings. It was a Christmas present. And so the younger one, Bjorn, he's the 13-year-old who's like, oh my gosh, he's watching Warren Warren Buffett videos on YouTube. He's going at it. He's like, this is so cool. He spent a lot of time figuring it out. He's like, wow, even if this grows at 3% over X amount of years, it'll be here by the time I'm 21. And if I leave it, I mean, he's really been engaged, right? And then my other... Uh, younger sister Kirsten a little less so um, but I think a big part of it is because like if you don't invest the time if you don't spend the time use the time uh, to figure out and really understand like okay if I put it here and there's an average of like 2.5% growth over this amount of time and you don't have the skills to like look at that in a spreadsheet you might really struggle to trust putting your money there and then if you don't trust, then how could you have discipline to do I it? Think, you know? I think beyond even taking the time, I mean, seeing to think about your example and hopefully they listen and don't feel so called out, but like Bjorn, 13 year old white boy, <laughs> read, reading about Warren Buffett and seeing documentaries on Warren Buffett and and seeing himself <laughs> in these characters who have become larger than life because they are these successful billionaires and versus 
somebody who's a female and does not see those role models immediately in the headlines and can and can truly feel man i can achieve this or like i mean obviously (laughs) the billionaires are not the like man i can achieve this but like even i mean Mm -hmm. uh talking to the only the millionaires i mean if they're disproportionately white men it, it for sure i think the seeing the role model and then being able to realize it is an important factor there no question this, this has to do with billionaires for sure but it's more so like a general idea like theories that go into like social mobility and all that stuff it's like so in general my understanding through my research unless that research has changed in the last year or so you usually die at the social strata that you were born into or like the socioeconomic class that you were born into super common right and one of the reasons is well number one your your social safety nets are different right if you are wealthy your parents are wealthy if you something happens you do a bad business venture you go a hundred thousand dollars in debt because you went to harvard or something your rich parents that can bail you out of that someone who's from the lower social strata can't do that they don't have anybody to bail them out of that situation they might just be screwed they also feel less of a comfort right they feel less less of a net or a platform to launch off from so a lot of times like you're saying trust in the system they don't feel that ability to take those risks they don't feel comfortable doing that the same thing along those lines also they're not seeing anybody do that around them nobody in their family has done that a lot of times no one whatever it's like there it's just this constant perpetuation of like i'm not surrounded by it i don't know it even if i can read it or hear it or see it or watch a warren buffett video it might not be a real reality to me until somebody close to me is doing it until I'm kind of out of that situation. And I know there's a lot of evidence for that, a lot of research for that. I definitely give it some credence for sure. And I, I, it is really unfortunate. I remember there was a kid that I grew up with. I was having a conversation with him a couple of years ago or a few years ago, and I have no idea how he's doing now. He could be super well off financially. He could be super happy apart from finances. I don't know. But I just remember having a conversation with him and we grew up poor in the inner cities, whatnot. And we were talking about like businesses and investing and this and that. And so when we were talking about investing, he was saying like why he like, like you're saying why he doesn't trust it, why he doesn't like he can kind of understand the concept of it, but it's just like he's not one to take that risk. And yeah. then we talked about like spending your money on something like fast food or like a tr- something that's a little bit more extraneous, not just eating, but, mm-hmm. but like a treat or something like that, like spending your 50 bucks here versus investing it. And he was just like, yeah, I would just rather do it at the McDonald's because it's guaranteed. I can see it. It's there in front of me. And I was like, whoa, oh. that blew my mind. I just was like that sort of kind of that mentality was something I was not familiar with. And it was something I kind of grew up with, but I grew out of it because I ended up moving to the suburbs and being surrounded. And this isn't the only reason, but it's part of my story and being surrounded by wealth and investors and business owners and CEOs. So I saw it so i guess i trusted it a little bit more yeah yeah Yeah. i think uh the trust reminds me of the famed marshmallow experiment uh and yeah so to our listeners i don't remember which institution the delayed gratification experiment yeah i think so um and so the experiment is they have a marshmallow and they're giving it to a kid. I'm not sure how old. Dre might need to look that up for me. This has been replicated many times, but the one that I think is mostly viewed or mostly spoken of, they're pretty young, like mm-hmm. three, four, five. Yeah, three, four, five, young, young, young kids, and they give the uh, tester gives them a marshmallow and, and, and says, if you can wait a certain amount of time, say 10 minutes, uh, I'll come, I'll leave the room and I'll come back with the second marshmallow and and you can get that second marshmallow if you have not eaten that first marshmallow. And there's these hilarious videos of these kids trying to hold out for that second marshmallow. They're alone in the room for 10 minutes while the tester is gone, going to get that second marshmallow. uh, And they... Uh, some of them cave and some of them uh, are able to wait out for that second marshmallow. And it was quite predictive, if I rem- remember correctly, 
those that were able to wait for the second marshmallow were uh, their success later on in life in terms of uh, financial career success uh, was better off. And I think so it can be viewed in a couple different lenses. And if I also remember correctly, and you guys can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I think that one lens that it was originally viewed through was that the kids that were more disciplined and could then get the second marshmallow were able to succeed more later on. But then the, the secondary lens after I think a few more experiments was starting to notice this mistrust. Like if you miss, if you didn't trust the tester, to bring back a second marshmallow, well, you should just eat the marshmallow you have. Uh, and and I think that, yeah, I mean, it just, it's demonstrated in a lot of the conversation that we're talking about. Yeah. The other thing that I think is, well, that I don't think, the other piece that's a part of my story is that I did not know up until the last year and a half, probably, that you could invest like 50 bucks. That was novel information to me. When I thought of investing prior to the age of 22, like prior, guys, the last year of my life. So also if you're just learning this now, it's okay. I am um, grateful to have been surrounded by mostly Aiden, but like people in my life who, who brought me under their wing and started explaining it to me. But I did not know until like a year ago or a year and a half ago that you could invest $50. I thought you had to be already like a millionaire, already have access to $10,000 or something to be able to invest. And um, on learning more about investment over the last year and a half, and I'm by no means an expert, there are ways you can get involved in low risk investment with not a lot of, of money put up front. So I think that's just important to like explicate because it's not something I knew was an option. So even if even if you're someone in your twenties right now and you're struggling to get by, I would encourage you to think about how you could maybe move things around to just test out fifty dollars because fifty dollars over fifty years is a lot more than thousands of dollars forty years from now and yeah that just was novel information to me totally novel it was definitely something i wasn't very familiar with a f like a few years ago and i think as a large part like we're indebted to this kind of new social kind of cellular digital age that we've moved into where it's because one of the reasons why it's so accessible is because you can just do it on your phone. Whereas before you'd have to pay somebody to have access to right. blah, blah. And that's what we talked a little bit about, um, paywalls before yeah. with, um, education and information and stuff like that. But there's paywalls to so many things. Um, obviously education, even like if you are, if you have to go to court, like you almost have to get a lawyer or like judges won't even like hear your case, yeah. this and that. And there's obviously there's, you know, pro bono and all that stuff. But in general, it's like there's just all these different things that where you can't really come as you are. And for a long time and travel, you used to like have to have like trip advisors and stuff like that. But now there's just kayak. Now you just go to Google Flights and book your flight. But you used to have to go somewhere for a travel agent and to, to look at packages, flights, and all this type of stuff. Um, and obviously, obviously, that's something that we we didn't grow up with that. But our parents did. And now, like you're saying, when I was maybe a teenager, I didn't know how to invest. I didn't know you could just have 10 bucks, $10 in your pockets. And probably back then you probably really couldn't, but now, yeah, you can just download an app, plug in your information, look at, read all the, whatever you want. And then just say, okay, I'll put 10 bucks into that. And you can, to that point of kind of like, I don't know if it's a, this is a technical term, but micro investments, making small investments, you don't need to buy like a whole share. Cause some of these huge companies, their shares are insanely, like you have to spend right. like 500 bucks and it's like, oh, I don't have that, but you can just buy a small portion of that for 10 bucks. And yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, even though a lot of these apps definitely are bought and sold by the donor class and the billionaire yeah. class and stuff like that. And you should be very skeptical of some of these apps. Um, they have opened the door to a lot of beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there are a lot of different types of investment, but just to contrast the idea of just like downloading an app and putting $10 into one company, like my young, my, my siblings investments, they're called custodial accounts and it's $50 invested 
into like a big company whose job it is to make money with other people's money, right? And then it's spread across, it's diversified, but spread across like a hundred plus companies that are all doing really well. So it's not going to grow, like it'll grow between like 1.5 and 3% or something over time if historical trends continue as they have. Uh, and, and it's, yeah, just not as high risk as maybe some of these like $10 in Bitcoin or $10, whatever it is. But it is like, yeah, also has an option for diversification, which I'm just learning about. So not meant to necessarily be a cast on investing, because <laughs> yeah. it, but it was a huge theme that we saw, yeah. I think, in our billionaires research. I think the power of shares of other people buying into successful businesses and then gaining money from that has been uh, a huge theme in people gaining as much of the pie of wealth uh, as billionaires have in comparison to the rest of the wealth spread across the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I mean, so we talk about these billionaires who have, like you said, I mean, I can't remember, not a football field worth the pallets, but a whole, <laughs> a whole many more, uh, $100 bills than, than uh, you're maybe you're lonely to $100 bill. Um, but as Lauren said, you can put it into a, what's called a an index fund, which is spread across a whole bunch of companies and your $100 could own 0. 0.000, a whole bunch of O's, 1% of like Apple, Google, all these different companies. And uh, it's it's like rather than putting your hundred eggs in one basket and hoping they do well, uh, and you might drop that basket and all a hundred eggs break, you put them in a hundred different baskets, and then it can, and then if one egg drops and breaks, your ninety nine are are doing just just well. You got some um, good chickens. Yeah, you got some <laughs> you got some good chickens coming your way one day. Uh, uh, so there's one book I'm going to plug before we kind of get back into billionaires. It's called The Four Pillars of Investing. It's by William Bernstein. And I especially appreciate it because he, one of the chapters is on the con men in the industry and how to avoid them. And then he's also a physician turned financial writer. So he's not so plugged into a lot of the jargon. Uh, and so he can he really writes about it in an accessible manner. Um, so that's one thing I, I would like to plug. But on the topic of billionaires, do you guys think they should be billionaires? You looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> like I need to start? Okay. Uh, so prior to this cast, if you asked me a week ago, I said, nope. Absolutely not. I think you should be capped at being a millionaire. Uh, you can have hundreds of thousands or maybe it's, yeah, a hundred. How many millions is a billion? hundred thousand? How many millions is a billion? It's a thousand millions. Okay. So you can have 999 million. That's a lot. You don't need more than that. <laughs> but after doing research for this cast... I read two different academic articles, so something for your knowledge, common scientists, that I am trying to do in preparation for my research is to find two, one to two academic articles per cast. Now, what does that mean? That means that I am going to a library database, which is different from the Google database because it does not individualize my search based on past information. It only gives me what the library has based on my search query. So that means that all of the bias that automatically is involved in any search engine like Google is taken out of the process. And the reason I'm doing this is because I want to make sure that in my common science research, I can at least get a feel for um, where academic reality is versus my Google reality is because there is no way to do unbiased research on Google. You can do better than some and you can be aware of biases, but it is not possible 
from my understanding, to like tell your search engine not to use any of your past stuff at all. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but definitely the default is is that yeah. it'll tailor to your past searches. Um, yeah, so on, on the topic of that, people might ask how the heck they can access a library. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll database. link it in the show notes. And hopefully this might come up again in a later cast. Maybe we could do a whole cast on unbiased research. But the two main things that I've been looking for are that they're peer-reviewed, which means that the article has gone through some other expert that was like, yeah, this doesn't suck. It's pretty good. Um, and then that they also have been cited by someone else, which means like, yeah, it's also relevant enough that someone has used it. And then the third thing that I've been looking for is open access. So maybe we'll even do a YouTube video on it where you can select these things and find what you need to find. Needless to say, in that research on billionaires, I found two very different articles uh, uh, from two very different perspectives. One, promoting billionaires and the role, the important role they play in philanthropic um, outreach, a role that in the paper it was argued many governments and people do not and cannot play because of the innovative nature of what lots of dollars can do for people in terms of research and business innovations. The other article that I read was about the tyranny of billionaires and that like the fight for money and tyranny was going to win out and that only elite billionaires were going to survive in the world, basically. So two super different opinions. I think I fall somewhere in the middle in the idea that like, I think a billion is a lot of wealth and there's a better way. We, we could probably share wealth better than we are now. And I don't know, unless maybe you're fulfilling some criteria, that billionaires should exist. Because even if you're doing philanthropy, a lot of people are doing it sitting on a huge pot of money that's only making them enough money to like sustain their philanthropy. And the other side of that being, um, then some philanthropic ventures could continue for the people who are still ultra-wealthy at $999 million. Dollars, uh, and then hopefully we could do better too. Just sharing, I might have just made the same point twice, but it was something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, one thing about common science is, I mean, we as people don't have infinite time, and there is infinite information, and we're trying to like come to some sort of takeaways or or. Um, yeah, some sort of schema that uh, on a topic, uh, what would you say? I mean, what what were a few of the takeaways from your reading? I think, I mean, I think mainly that there for sure is a problem, right? That there is people and areas that need more access to money, whether it's like a disenfranchised group or an area of research that's really lacking um, or an innovation that's been really underemphasized and should have been more emphasized. Public health is a great example of it. People have kind of, institutions have somewhat, I don't want to say ignored, but some kind of have ignored public health largely. And then all of a sudden we had this global pandemic And then all of a sudden, R&D, research and development dollars, were flooding into public health because it had been largely underfunded. So examples of like whole fields of research that we know are really important, but people aren't wanting to upfront costs because five years ago, there was no global pandemic. So people like, oh, the public health people, like they'll keep working on obesity and whatever else they work on over in their department, you know like harder than like, oh, all these people have cancer right now. Let's invest in that or let's spend money there. And so I think like billionaires in terms of this article played play an important role in providing needed resources to some of these areas. But then the other side of it was that there are also super super selfish billionaires that aren't doing any philanthropy. So I think there has to be some reconciliation there with probably some sharing of wealth or like if a billionaire is allowed then they have to be fulfilling XYZ. That would be like my personal stance between these two articles. 
How about you, Dre? What what sorts of takes do you have on what Lauren said or Yeah. Yeah, I I would definitely like to do a lot more research on pro billionaire whatever research like things that <laughs> things that come out and say oh yeah like these are good for society these are necessary it fulfills some sort of balance it fulfills some sort of role and i mean i've i've heard pro billionaire arguments and but honestly most of them come down to either philanthropy or meritocracy and the meritocracy argument i just don't agree with whatsoever the amount of wealth that billionaires have when we're comparing it whether it be magnitudes or percentages or whatever to the amount of money that somebody else makes doing some average job working 40 to 50 hours a week like those thousands and thousands of percent more that they're making is like there's just no way to me that you're just like you you merit that much more wealth Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense to me and even if we could imagine that somehow you do, it doesn't mean that it's like right or like moral to create a society that that like that values that or um, puts that into play. Because that, that's one of the things that I struggle with in these conversations with people who kind of are like, oh, no, like you can't you can't put a limit on what I'm making, did it, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like there are already limits on what you're making. There are already rules to how much you can make. There's already a system in place. And it just so happens that these billionaires, they're just the best at beating that system, at playing this game. But just because this is the way the game is, that doesn't mean that it's the way the game has to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, a, a game where I can see in the same year an article that says 30% of people are late on their rent and we're on pace to see our first, the world's first trillionaire. That system is not a good system. (laughs) (laughs) That system is deeply flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Deeply flawed. So that's where I have issues with it. I just see them as so unnecessary. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be billionaires or whatever. I just think that we're at a place now in society where it's not where we're so far at least in america we're so far ahead of like every one man or like doggy dog world every man for themselves we're so far ahead of that that it's not okay to leave someone hanging but at the same time there are still people who freeze to death in the winter in america there are still people who like are crazy malnourished and die from these diseases and blah 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 blah, because they're homeless or this or that or can't afford the food, etc. So we're in this weird spot where it's like we've come so far, but it's like we're not far enough. Like we still need to pick yeah. up the little man a little bit more. So I think we like my point in saying that is that I think we could imagine a system where like there's where someone could be worth half a trillion dollar or a quarter trillion dollars, but the way that our system is now, the way America is now, it's not time for that. I don't think that somebody should be able to make that much money. I don't think that someone is worth that much to the world Yeah. in comparison to somebody else who's also working 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, but can barely afford to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. I think uh, so one thing that I think just stuck with me in that last sentence was you just said, I don't think they're worth that much to the world. What is, I mean, to, to kind of take it a little meta, like what is, what is money? And like, what does that mean as we navigate our society? Can we uh, put a pin in that for a second? I just want to say that I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the merit, meritocracy. 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 Yeah. Argument. Yeah, I hadn't come across it in my reading, and I think it's an idea that Americans really cling to, really, really. Like, if I pull my bootstraps up and work really hard, I will get out of life what I deserve. And I 
agree with the fact or the idea that nobody's work is merited to like get a billion dollars like nothing that you could do for the world is worth a billion dollars and I think that scares some people because we all have this American dream or we have this dream if you're not from America that like maybe you'll make it big or you might be the billionaire but I just I appreciate and resonate with that idea that yeah you're you're probably not worth that much and like to the Jeff Bezos or the Elon Musk of the world who won't probably ever hear what I have to say <laughs> but like I would just probably say like well if you get to that point then I mean share your company like or sell it and start a new one like maybe you've served your purpose there Maybe someone else could manage it better. Like if you are managing and engrossing millions and billions of dollars, you're probably not. You're probably also not serving those areas as well as you could be. And yeah, it just really resonated. So I wanted to comment on that before we transition to philosophical meta world. Yeah, super fair. I mean, yeah, I just I, I agree uh, with your sentiments, Trey, and and I think like a a core question in my eyes and obviously it kind of came a little bit out of the blue but my train of thought in terms of the like what is money question is like what is this this thing that we award extravagantly to some people and not at all to others. Uh, And like, I feel like understanding what that is could then help us understand how it might be better uh, distributed in a more human-centered economy. Uh, And and there's, I mean, just a, a few different thoughts on that but i'm curious what in your in your eyes money is money is a medium to which we work to be able to trade for the goods services and access for our own fulfillment in life <laughs> I don't know. This is yeah, yeah. What I came up with. Why are you guys laughing at me? <laughs> I don't know. Just because I don't. I don't know. I guess because I don't have a better answer. You know. Yeah. I, mean, I was just listening. Okay. Yeah. Like that's solid. You know. Okay. I don't know why I laughed. I was just kind of like, oh. no. <laughs> I don't know. I just that was the definition I came up with. Like, I mean, yeah. Like we work for this thing so that we can trade it for other things and like we had to assign something to have some value that was universal so that it could be used for all these different things so like it makes sense that we have a value system that we trade around so that we can contribute and measure contribution and then receive what we need like for that contribution the problem is like Dre said you can work 60 hours a week and barely be able to survive and you can work 60 hours a week and be making billions and so like the system is deeply flawed in Dre's words. Yeah. Yeah. The, just the manner with which like the, the token of value is exchanged is, is flawed. And I guess that could be, I mean, one aspect of it or one issue that I've come across is like, I mean, thinking about stay at home mothers and how they don't get compensated for, compensated with money in the u.s uh, in the u.s for because there are other places that do compensate right uh they at least so i think from my understanding they have paid maternity leave for uh, a certain amount of time in certain countries um but then kids will get paid to go to school I mean, there just are other social systems right. that do support the family living better. I think. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, like in in the U.S. in our in our specific context, uh, like stay at home mothers are not compensated financially uh, for 
the labor that they put into the home and raising kids and raising the next generation, which you would think is incredibly valuable to a society. Uh, and so as Lauren said, I mean, yeah, just looking to other examples, I think is one way to, uh, alleviate some of those concerns, uh, whether it be through, uh, universal basic income is one, uh, idea that's been proposed. Another is in a lot of Scandinavian and then in the UK, I think it's six months, but, and then in some Scandinavian countries, I think it's 12 months of paid, uh, maternity and paternity leave. Uh, so at least in the first year, they can receive compensation for caring for their young. Um, and then you also pointed out a good point. I think later on in, in Sweden, students for staying in school are given a stipend uh, for staying in school and achieving a certain uh, grade point average. And so that's certainly helpful of, of people who school is more of a, uh, of a privilege. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, uh, that's on, on the one side. It's also so thinking to other systems and in the context of billionaires, uh, there is what's called like, is it a graduated income tax or there's... I think so. Yeah, where you tax at a higher rate for people who make more money. Um, in the U.S. It's supposed it to be to that. Be, yeah, it's supposed to be that, but I mean, it's just like billionaires broke the scale, I guess. Um, but it, but it used to be much higher, I think, in the U.S. in the '60s. So, common scientists do your research. It used to be much higher, and there's been a lot of a transition away from that. You you hear all about Amazon paying zero in income taxes, and yeah, so there's been a lot of loopholes incorporated into the the system. And I think, yeah, just trying to, first of all, bring awareness to the issue like uh, we're hoping to do in this cast and then uh, try to do common science research to find a position and then and then try to enact some of it, uh, a solution. But yeah. I don't know, it's just kind Straight of up. on a monologue. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I, and I know, so I, I, so the reason I have a problem with somebody making billions of dollars is because, and it's also too, it's like, if you make $1 billion, that's so different than being worth $180 billion because it's so many millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Like it's so oh, like it's yeah. the difference between being worth 1 billion and being worth Jeff Bezos is so crazy. Like 999 million. Like let's just cut it off right there. Yeah. <laughs> possible. And I know like people will be like, Oh yeah, but then there won't be any like incentive and this and that. I'm yeah. just like, dude, if you, first of all, I don't necessarily think that's true because I think these people who have that motivation to do these things, they're so they're such motivated people. They're such obsessive people that they will find some other way to express themselves in the universe mm -hmm. that brings them, that makes them feel valuable or whatever their competitive level is that makes them just want more and more and more. Like Elon, he'll still send people to Mars whether he's making billions of dollars or not. Like that's it. at least he'll still try to even if he got capped. I think so based on who these people are. But and it's I don't know. It's just it, it's just like I just don't understand why people think the system has to be this way and that it's like, it's somehow we're robbing some, we're robbing these people who are making this much money. It's just like, dude, I don't know. We need to get into the donut economy sometime. We need to do research on the donut economy. Like we need to watch yeah. more human centric. Uh, got time for that conversation right now. No, not now. No, I'm talking, <laughs> yeah. we need a whole new podcast, yeah. but yeah. the I don't know. And like we get into these laws and what you were talking about, we were talking about like we got into politicians and that, and that's where it gets really, that's where I, it becomes really problematic for me is that I don't really mind somebody being worth a lot of money. Even if it's billions, it's not that big of a deal, but it really matters when you start to impact society, society, society really negatively mm -hmm. on a large scale. That's where it becomes a big problem. And if you look at, there's a lot of kind of studies and statistics that look at, how Congress passes laws and bills and stuff like that. And it's not very highly correlated with p 
people and how the masses vote. What it is highly correlated with is the donor class. The donor class are the rich people who can pay politicians directly, right? It's just like, hey, and they do it in these packs and they do it in these different secretive ways. But it's one person or small groups of people who have a lot of money to influence politicians, influence bills. And so when you look at how we pass laws, it's all correlated with this donor class. And they're who they're obviously looking up for number one. That's just human nature. I'm not mad at them for it. I'm just like, yeah, I get it. You know, if I was a billionaire, I'd probably do the same thing. But it's just like, as not a billionaire, as somebody from the outside, I can see how this is negatively impacting society. I can see how you're rigging the game for yourself. And that's a that's a big issue for me. Yeah. Huge problem. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> quite, a, quite a contribution. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, just a huge problem. And there's all sorts of mechanics behind it, too. Uh, so there's a book called The System by Robert Reich. And he's a, he's a Reich. He's a, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I thought that was Reich, but I, I, he wants to distance himself from that name. Like, and I understand. <laughs> Robert Reich, uh, yeah, he's a, he's he's a big, uh, yeah, just I mean, he's just super, I mean, anti-billionaire, um, and just to get that bias out there. Um, but he also has just a lot of good information, and he talks about some of the mechanisms being this kind of like. Uh, class of guard guardians, the guardians of of the super wealthy, which is, are the the accountants and the lawyers and all these other people who do quite well for themselves uh, f- for uh, doing the job of helping these uh, billionaires <laughs> maintain their wealth, the donor class, as you as you put it, uh, maintain their wealth and perpetuate it. But yeah, I mean, I think. First, talking about the problem, we, again, don't have all of the answers or any of the answers, but uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're trying about? to find some truth. I proposed an answer. $9.99 million. Cap it, and we'll be good. <laughs> I know. If you knew that that's all you could make, it was like you would still, like, that would be so annoying. Like, if it was never, if it was never a billion, it was never an option. It's just like, hey, this is the rule. <laughs> you can get up to one dollar less than a billion like people will be ecstatic if you made it like if you just had a society like that but we know we didn't which is it's fine it's fine <laughs> i get it and i know like the proponents of like pro billionaire people they're like yeah but who creates the billionaires it's like we do like we give them money right we keep buying stuff from amazon we keep supplying all these engines that are just like mm-hmm. destroying society and certain and like taking over mom and pop shops and all stuff like Walmart and then not giving their people benefits. And then there's articles coming out that are saying you their employees have to piss in bottles because they're not giving them enough time to take breaks and this not and that. It's Amazon, not Walmart, but yeah. No, I know. I just didn't, you know, yeah. allegedly I didn't, you know, right. I, I didn't want to play that specifically. Um, but yeah, so, and I get that. But my issue with that, I think if you're making those arguments that when does the personal responsibility come in? Yes, it does come into play. But if you don't understand psychology and the basics of psychology and sociology and how masses work and how human populations work, it's like this is all crazy predator- predatory manipulative stuff mm-hmm. that's coming from the like the upper, like the billionaires and all that stuff and the, the way that corporations work and the way that social media works and how it attacks our psychology. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you don't understand that, like you can't. I don't know, like if you're like I'm, I'm I guess I lean this way. Humans have some deep flaws we all do right as seven billion of us those flaws are easy to manipulate people who run companies manipulate those flaws and i and i lean towards the way the i learned i lean towards the spectrum of that's wrong because you know that it's going to take a lot for individuals and for us as an entire species to overcome those obstacles overcome that sort of predatory manipulation and you're profiting off it you're exploiting us the masses Versus I know a lot of people are just leaning towards the other way. They're like, if you're that stupid that you're going to keep doing it and then you complain about it. And I'm like, all right, like, I, like that is one school of thought. I just, I just disagree, <laughs> I guess. I, think, uh, I mean, just to qualify it, not all business owners 
are incredibly predatory, but we yeah. are business owners. We are we are business owners. So <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well. Hopefully we're not. Um, I disagree. They're all predators. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely uh, not. Okay, okay, okay. Let's rein it in. Let's rein it in. Well, common scientists. Thank God we don't work for Amazon. So we're gonna go uh, take a <laughs> take a pee break. <laughs> In the toilet. <laughs> just, just to clarify there. Not a bottle. Not a bottle. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just messing with you guys. But uh common scientists, thanks for tuning in this week. It was a wild ride. We went through billionaires and some of the challenges that come along with having billionaires in a society, whether or not uh billionaires should be a thing, and then also how you can aspire to handle and manage your own personal wealth a little bit better. Maybe not to be a billionaire. You can shoot for that nine ninety nine. But at the very least, you should have gained a little bit more of a perspective, a common science perspective on what it means to have billionaires in the world today. Hey, common scientists. Hope you enjoyed the cast. Thanks for investing in common science. We hope it brought as much value to you as it did to us. To learn more, smash the subscribe button and visit our website, commonscientists.com, where you can read our blog, join our email newsletter, and follow us on social media. Finally, if you like what we have to say, you can absolutely support us on Patreon. We can always use more support. You can navigate there also from our website, commonscientists.com, common scientists with an S, so that we can continue cultivating a community of common scientists.